So before we started, we were watching the trailer for The Boys. Ah, as we discussed last week on Salt the Earth. Yes. And so Matt showed me the trailer. It's super violent, but it looks like a super dope show. I'm not going to lie. It's so good. Like, it's the best TV I've watched since early Game of Thrones. So I'm definitely not recommending it to a lot of people. But also, like, if that's your type of thing. If you fit our demographic of, you know, millennials who are, you know millennials <laughs> you might like the boys we don't have a much of a demographic but we do have one listener from australia and one listener from the uk or maybe two listeners um so shout out to the uk and australian listeners yeah. stick around because that's really exciting if you want to feature on an episode of the podcast let us know and we're going to talk be talking about ireland soon so if we want to get any irish listeners talking, on here, oh we are going to be talking about ireland you said i forgot you wanted about to. that topic that's gonna be a good one stay tuned for the ireland talk Matt has a lot of talks he wants to talk about, but then when I ask him what he wants to talk discuss today, he's like, "I don't know. I, don't I forgot have any about ideas. Ireland. You gotta like put it in the show notes. Um, we should maintain show notes. We should do a lot of things. Right now, I'm currently editing the podcast. <laughs> that takes a lot of effort and time. So I'll put together a share drive for show notes. And who's gonna do the show notes? Well, I'll do the show notes. Okay. Show notes are easy. So, welcome back to another episode of Salty Earth Podcast. Episode 9. We are Ye. Matt and... Tori. And we are here with our friend Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. Nick is another person in the Detroit area who is Catholic. We can give Nick a better introduction that's, than that's that. Fine. That's fine. It's not wrong, so... Nick is a student of... Oakland University. Studying... Uh, psychology and criminal justice. And you've been Catholic for how long? Uh, since I can remember. So let's just call it 24 years. Good deal. Cool. Um, ooh, because of the topic of this episode, they're going to think that he's here because he has personal experience about the topic. And that's not correct. a correct statement. So we should make that clear now. So Nick is here because he's like, hey, can I come listen to you guys do your podcast? We're like, Sure. And now he's sitting close enough to the microphone that he can talk. So that is why Nick is here. He has no personal experience with this topic that I know of. I do not. And it has nothing to do with him. But I'm glad we cleared that up. Just a guest. Probably a good call. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a good call. Um, so today we're talking about homosexuality in the Catholic Church. Um, the first thing we want to preface this episode with is um, we love everyone. Yes. We don't love everyone. care what your sexual orientation is, nope. what color you are, nope. what race you are, nope. um, how much money you make, nope. how smart you are. Nope. We just want you to be a good I person. I care how smart you are. I care how much effort you put into being smart. I prefer smart. people be, you know, intelligent, at least in one thing. You know, like, I don't like this idea that people have to be intelligent in, like, the traditional sense of the word, where, like, you know, they're good at math, or they're, you know, well-read, things like that. But, like, if you have a thing that you know a lot about, that's that's the win right there. You know, I don't even really care what it is, but if you're passionate about something, that's good. Okay, that's fair. That is a fair yeah, statement. You know? Anything else, we don't care, <clears throat> but we are yeah, going to talk about it because the church cares. Um, 
And I want to also preface it by saying we are not experts on this topic. No. But it is something we care deeply about because we have friends who are affected by this topic. Yeah. Also, statements made here are not the views of the Catholic Church unless specifically stated as to be the views of the Catholic Church. The rest of those are just opinions. Of us. Of us. Who have no credentials. We just (laughs) have opinions. Zero credentials. Only opinions. Which is what podcasts are for. That's yeah. Um, uh, so I think that an optimal way to break this down would be to talk about homosexuality as it relates to the Catholic Church, specifically. And then um, I would also be curious, mostly for my own personal curiosities, about how you feel about um, like gender identity sure. and gender expression. Um, and whether or not you think that that has a Catholic basis either. So, first, homosexuality. Do you want to start with the CCC or do you I want think to start? we should. Okay, so the Catechism of the Catholic Church states homosexuality refers to relations between men or between women who experience an exclusive or predominant sexual attraction towards persons of the same sex. It has a great variety of forms throughout the centuries and different and in different centuries. Cultures, it's different cultures. Different. Whoa, man, reading is hard. And in different cultures. Uh, its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained. Sort of. We'll get into that. Um, basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of grave depravity. Tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They're contrary to natural law. They, the clo- they close the sexual act of, to give life. Right? To the oh, gift, to the of, gift life. of life. There we go. Man, I don't know how to read. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementary. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Under no circumstances can they be approved. So that is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2357. Yeah. Uh, It goes on to say that um, it is a non-negligible portion of the population that have homosexual tendencies. Uh, They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. The persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and they are Christ- And if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross, the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. Homosexual persons are called to chastity by virtues of self-mastery and teach them inner freedom. At times, by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection, as we all should. Correct. So, um, <clears throat> I have some qualms about the uh, catechistic teachings. Catechetical. Uh, catechetical. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's way worse. Catechistic should be the word. No, catechetical. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a word. It's. I. I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't doubt you, but it's a bad word. Why? I kind of like the word. No, it's so many ta-ta-ta-tas. Catechetical. Catechetical. I'm taking a class right now on pastoral catechetics. Cool. Pastoral catechetics. That's a lot of words. <laughs> so yeah. Um, my main qualms. Uh, so psychological genesis remains largely unexplained. Uh, maybe when this was written, that was the case, but we have at least some idea of how you know homosexual tendencies manifest these days. Um, uh, homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. 
Um, it says that specifically it is an act of grave depravity and that they must that um, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. So um, I don't disagree that tradition has stated that to be the case. I disagree that you know maybe that is the case. And um, yeah, yeah. They closed the uh, they closed the sexual act to the gift of life, potentially. So yeah, I have some qualms. I do too. I do not. I agree with you. I do not like the the phrase that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. I have nothing. There's nothing wrong with the phrase itself. I really don't like the word intrinsically disordered. I understand that they're saying that the acts itself and not the people right. are disordered. I feel like there's a more pastoral way to put it. Yes, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, I understand the teaching of the Catholic Church. Um, there is a YouTuber with a relatively small following who uh, taught theology at a Catholic seminary, not Catholic seminary, but at a Catholic high school for a while. Okay. And uh, he was fired because he came out as gay. Well, okay. he, he was already out as gay, but like his students figured it out and he, he ended up getting fired for it, which I don't think is right. I would agree. Um, and uh, so he runs a YouTube channel called um, either The Queer Theology or The Gay Theology, something along those lines. Okay. It's like a 12 part series where he really dives into the scripture and uh, he talks about the teachings of the Catholic Church Um the spots where he disagrees and he explains what could be changed. So I would recommend people go watch his series on that. Mm -hmm. It's about two hours from start to finish. Um, it would give you some background and some pretty unique perspective that I don't think a lot of us address as someone who has like clearly a well-formed conscience, someone who's been through uh, a, a formal education in theology and someone who's taught theology. Um, it kind of gives a unique view of the whole situation sure um and to kind of mirror some of his points about it um he his argument against this intrinsically disordered bit is just that um you know the current scientific community agrees that uh, people are born gay right okay um whether that means that you know there was a there's some evidence to suggest that certain hormonal uh shifts during pregnancy could cause it. There's some studies to suggest that possibly a genetic mutation that lies dormant. Um, there's evidence that the later, or like the, the later you are in the order of children. So if someone has six or seven kids, their sixth and seventh kid are more likely to be oh, gay than their earlier kids. That's super interesting. Um, etc. There, there's a lot of uh, ways to push it, but basically we recognize that at least to some level, people are born with a homosexual attraction. Okay. Right? Um, so to say that someone who is just born a certain way has intrinsically disordered desires and call that out specifically, I think is wrong. You either need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and say everyone has intrinsically disordered desires. Right. Because in some way we all do. Correct. Um, or you need to change that. Because it's kind of contradictory with the second thing, which says they shall be regarded with love and respect. Accepted with love, respect, compassion, compassion. sensitivity. Yeah. So um, I, I don't think that the uh, earlier phrase does a great job of what the second 
paragraph is calling us to do. Um, that having been said, I understand and uh, agree to some extent with the teaching itself that sexual acts between um, same-sex partners uh, are a sin. Um, I can understand where that comes from. Uh, I don't believe that that means that we should legislate against it or that we should punish people who uh, do that in the same way that I don't think we should legislate against uh, cohabitation before marriage. Or we should Hot legislate. Ag- oh, yeah. <laughs> I, they get spicier. All right. Um, I don't think we should legislate against premarital sex. Uh, and when you say legislate, you mean like the church? I uh, No. I mean like in the government. Oh, For do example, we do these things? Oh, yeah. You'll oh. see. Uh, just recently there was a thing. Oh, I'm so up in the church world that I kind of forget that there's a real world yeah, that no, exists. Yeah, no. Just recently there was a law passed in, I think, Egypt. Okay. That criminalized uh homosexual acts right oh now this has already been like a social teaching in egypt for a while sure obviously um and but now it was criminalized and if you went into any of the catholic internet conversations about it it was all rejoice 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 and i was like is this really like rejoice moment right um that's not free will right that's you imposing your will correct which I don't think is right. No. Uh, you're not going to come to God just because you had God's will imposed upon you by theological authoritarians. Um, and I think that it's the wrong way to go about it. When we see, uh, you know, homophobia in a lot of the world, um, a lot of gay people are attacked and stoned right. just for existing. Um, there's a big problem right now with like Tinder and Grinder, which are uh, like dating apps. Right. Um, in the in like the Middle East, my dogs are wrestling outside the door. So, so that's if you the context things. for those noises. Yeah. Um, so if where uh, because they have like geolocations, right, where they say you know you have a person who's matched with you within the next two miles. Okay. What people will do is they'll go onto those websites catfish people to figure out their geotags and then triangulate their location and then go to their house and beat them or kill them oh my gosh and it happens with regularity in a lot of the middle east and in a lot of africa oh my goodness yeah so um that's good for it that was a big sound yeah sorry about that listeners um so yeah i think that when we criminalize homosexuality and when people fear homosexuality at an institutionalized level all that it does is create hate which is the exact opposite of what the church is calling us to do because the church is calling us to approach it with um respect compassion and sensitivity and uh when we criminalize these things uh we're not doing any of those things and when we rejoice about the criminalization of those things, we're not doing any of those things. So that's like my hot take is people who have seemingly or like a lot of Catholics seem to have a problem specifically with homosexuality as like an extra bad sin. Right. Yes. When the realistic view is that. You know, it's a sin like any other sin. And it should be taught as such and viewed as such. What was I watching recently? I think it was a Rogue Rocket YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Has a thing about uh, the targeting of uh, homosexuals. That's awful. Yeah, no, I didn't know. I guess I didn't realize. um, I don't want to seem like I'm a naive person because I I don't consider myself one. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I guess I'm at the point in my life right now where I don't understand why we're having a racism issue and a sexual <laughs> identity issue. Like, I, I don't understand why people care. It's because... I, I just don't. I can't wrap my hand around it. I, I think it's just, it's been societally ingrained in a lot of yes. people right. that um, gay people are scary or gross or that uh, interracial marriage is scary or gross, which is another thing that happened recently. Uh, it was a southern state, I want to say Missouri, um, where uh, an interracial couple... In 2019. In 2019, an interracial couple went to a wedding planner and they told her, like, you can't get married here because the Bible says oh, interracial couples are bad. The Bible does not say that. No, no, the Bible does not say that. And it is my religious freedom to deny you my business. Right. And so uh, she was thoroughly educated in the form of basically being doxxed and having her business tanked on all the medias. Um, and she was educated to, you know, learn that the Bible doesn't actually say you can't be interracially married. What the Bible does say is to the ancient Israelites, don't go marrying pagan women and then adopting their gods. Yeah. That is what the Bible says. <laughs> ancient Israelites yeah. didn't listen. And that's why they wandered in the desert for 40 years, among other things. Yeah. So I think that there, you and I, being millennials, we kind of came up in a society that was just accepting of that stuff. Right. For the most part, you know, it was, you know, pretty accepting of homosexuality on its face. And it was pretty accepting of, well, it was very accepting of interracial relationships. Like, it's not even something I shake a head at. Like, I, I I've never even notice, noticed it. Yeah. Right? It's just like a thing. Um, so it's not something that I understand. Like, I don't get why people are like this, but I definitely know that there are a lot of people that are like this and, um, recognizing that people are like this is kind of where I draw a lot of my qualms. If, yeah. No, I just wanted to add to that. Um, you know, I'm very thankful to have, to have been with a group, especially a group of friends that is very, um, I guess I don't I don't want to say liberal because that's not what I'm getting at, but very modern, um, and and yeah. kind of sees. I like you know, progressive. It, that I think that's a better word. I think yeah. liberal is a bad um, word. Yeah, from all sides, because um, the right <laughs> likes to criminalize the word liberal because the the liberal socialist yes. communists AOC bad Obama bad, and then the left likes to criminalize the mm. word liberal because like. Liberals are like the blue dog Democrats, like the the impotent, we want no progress Democrats. Yeah. Um, so growing up in a very conservative household, mm-hmm. um, I got a lot of that, um, you know, we don't like gays. We don't like, um, unfortunately it was, we don't like anyone who doesn't look like us uh-huh. um, or act like us for that matter. Um, so growing up in that, I kind of got a, a take of that lifestyle so I can, you know, unfortunately for me, it was much easier to see that because I saw it growing up and mm-hmm. it was actually, whereas most people our age, um, are very open to it and are surprised that people are still against it. For me, it was kind of the opposite where I was against it growing up because that's all I knew. Uh, and mm-hmm. then later I was like, this isn't right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's much, I think it's, I think it's much worse than most people think it is. Yeah. I think that it's uh, an issue of. A lot of people just have had the same views their whole lives, mm-hmm. and the world progressed without them, and now they're mad about and it. And that's 
Yeah. And I think so many people want the church to progress in such a way that um, they become accepting of these disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, mm-hmm. really hate that word. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't use that word. I, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I, I'm reading. So the, yeah. the reason is I just read from there yeah. and then I said it. Um, these differences that people have. And again, I'm one who would say, as a catechist, I have to be in line with church teaching. Right. I understand what the church is teaching. I also understand that people tend to teach it poorly. And that's what Mm-mm. really ticks me off when someone can't read from the book. And then th- instead they're like, oh, I'm going to interpret this as my opinion and then teach you my opinion. All homosexuals are going to hell. I have heard in my lifetime people tell children this. Children. Yeah. Younger than 13. That if they are gay, they're going to hell. That's just not true. No. We just, we don't believe that. No. And I think if the church ever, ever came out and said that, it wouldn't be the Catholic church anymore. It would be a different church. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I can't be on board with some of our Christian denominations Mm -hmm. who are accepting of this kind of, um, of these differences and, and, Call them what they are. Um, the Bible calls them sins. God calls them sins. Right. I'm not saying it's a greater sin than any other sin. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is it's a sin. Yeah. And when other Christian denominations are, are on the board of, well, this isn't a sin. You can do whatever you want. As long as you love Jesus, you're fine. That's not what Jesus said. No. Last I checked, I like, I'm not fantastic. It's not like I'm like right. a scripture scholar. But I have a pretty solid foundation. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember Jesus ever saying, just love me and you'll be fine. Right. Just be the nice guy. And we do have a lot of Christian denominations that are teaching. One, they're teaching that, like, God is, could be a feminine God and that he's agendered. Right. That's a problem. Like, yeah, you can't yeah. teach bad theology. And that's just bad theology. And you can't teach that these things aren't sins when they are because that hurts your soul. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we want a bunch of people. We already live in a wounded wo- world. Why do mm-hmm. we want more wounded people populating this wounded right. world? Yeah, no. I think that my entire thing comes down to just because it's a sin like doesn't make it the only sin. Correct. And treating it as such is irresponsible. Agreed. So people need to be ideologically consistent and they either need to treat all sins the way that they treat homosexuality Mm -hmm. or they need to treat homosexuality like they treat everything else. So when your kid moves in with his girlfriend at 22, that's that's a sin, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're they're doing basically the same sin as any homosexual act is they are, you know, cheating on their future spouse, which is the teaching, correct? Basically. Um, so very basic, very basic. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's living outside of chastity, basically. Um, infidelity, infidelity. That was the one. So, I think that with that in mind, that that's kind of where I stand. I really hate uh, when I go to like the Catholic Reddit or when I go onto different Catholic forums and I see just vitriolic language yeah. about specifically gay people, and um, it because it's not accepting, it's not respectful, Mm-mm. and uh, that's the exact opposite of what the Catholic teaching is. And to, to say anyone's going to hell for any one thing, we don't know. No. 
And thank God we don't know. Right? I think I've said this in a previous podcast, but, like, my students constantly ask me what hell is like. I can give them very vague answers. Jesus talked about it a whole bunch. But at the end of the day, I'm grateful that I'm not God and that I don't know who's in hell. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know if anyone's in hell. It's not my job, not my purpose. I don't even want that knowledge in the future. And I know that there will come a day when I have that knowledge. Right. I really don't want to know. I'd be curious. I don't. I'm not even curious. I mean, like, so I'm only curious as far as um, the whole is anyone in hell thing. Right. You know, like, hmm. and we, I don't really subscribe to that right. thought process of maybe no one's in hell. No. Maybe everyone. You just can't. Sub- like, it's just not a logical thought process. Until they're good and then they go to heaven. And like the She's only people in hell, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it doesn't really make sense theologically speaking. Um, but like, you know, was Hitler in hell? That's a question that I'm curious about. <laughs> you know, not to not to do that, but yeah, it, it's a curiosity. I, I can see where you're coming from, though. I mean, I... yeah. So I, I don't think that saying you're going to hell for a thing is ever just productive. No, it's not. And that's what what's that. As, a, as Christians, we are called to love one another as we love ourselves. But yeah. most importantly, we're called to love God first. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. is not going around, last I checked, condemning people to hell all the time. In fact, that is the last thing he has said he's wanted to do. Uh-huh. He sent his son to die on the cross so we wouldn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I, I read it relatively recently. So you, you know the old uh, kill them all and let God sort them out? Yes, that old adage. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was crusades, right? Where yeah, basically. Um, they were like, "Well, there's gonna be Christians among them. Who should we kill? Who should we not kill?" And they said, "Kill them all, and God will sort them." I liked love them all and let God sort them out. Who said that? I don't know. Oh. Some random on the internet, oh. but it's amazing. Yeah, it's really like, good. That's tattoo worthy. Yeah, you know, like, and that that's w- what I like to subscribe to. Yeah, is love everyone, and you know. God will sort them out. I'm happy to educate and to catechize and to say catechesize. No. (laughs) Um, Catechize. I'm happy to, you know, share my opinion and happy to share the church teaching about that and, you know, try not to editorialize. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, it's not my responsibility to decide who's going to heaven or hell. Thank God. And so, really, seriously, (laughs) you just cut me off in traffic, hot place. No. Um hot place it's just one of those things where i would much rather live in a world where people just got along you know and people just loved each other you know there's that old adage hate the sin love the sinner yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know why that's so hard because like people are so quick to judge and condemn Uh others but they won't look at their own faults and their own sin and i get it I'm a sinner just like everyone else. Uh-huh. Ask me the last time I've been to confession. It's probably been a minute. Mm-hmm. And I hate that moment when you're waiting in the line for the confession, for confessional, for the confessional. And you're going through those thoughts of, all right, you're doing like that examination of conscience. Like, you know, have I not chosen to love God? Have I put another mm-hmm. God before him? All these things. And then you get to the point where you like, you finally tick off the checklist of like, okay, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. I haven't killed anyone. That's good. Pretty good. And then you take off that one sin that you're like, oh, but that's not really a sin because I have right. like all these, uh, like, Allow we me do to that justify all the time. It. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I think when, when we're so quick to judge others, we forget that we are just justifying our own sins. Oh, yeah. 
And just because they have one that's out in the open, mm-hmm. thank God mine aren't out in the open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine what my life would be like if I did. I mean, right. terrifying, oh, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Still didn't do it. Oh, you tried. Yeah. <laughs> Nick just showed me his yeah. calendar. I, I've, I've been actively putting go to confession in my calendar. Oh. And I, I, I still haven't done it, so. Yeah. Um, so, a few spicy takes. Uh, that I'm curious about your opinion about that a lot of people on the internet or Catholic forums seem to dislike. What are we, did I? No, my nose is itchy. I oh. just wanted to see if you follow. <laughs> um, that's going to be good for the video podcast. <laughs> we really need to start that portion <clears throat> yeah. soon. So, um, one is pride. Yeah. Pride parades, the entire concept of pride. How do you feel about that? Um... I have I have several opinions. Uh, I'm going to try to condense them mm-hmm. because I realize that we're short on time. Okay. Um, it's probably for the best anyway because we'll have a five-hour podcast if we delve into each of the things that I want to d- talk yes. about. Yeah. Um, and we can always add on to this yeah. later when you get back, to be honest. Um, I am I, not gay. No. So I don't understand the, the gay community in the mm-hmm. terms of that my gay friends do. And I am yeah. very proud of my gay friends in the sense of they know who they are. Mm-hmm. They're strong in that. And I have several friends who are choosing to live a chaste life. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful because yeah. they're doing what the church is calling them to do because they feel that that's the will of God and they're right. Mm-hmm. My problem with the new pride parades and everything is it seems like it's a let's show off our entire sexuality and bodies yes. so the world can see there are children at these events. Mm-hmm. Children that shouldn't have to be brought into this yet. Like, what happened to keeping our children innocent? They lose their innocence at such a younger and younger age now. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't. I mean, I, I went to, I've never been to a Pride event, but I was driving through the city once during one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no reason to be there. I can't offer them anything. There's nothing I can right. do. I don't judge them. I don't care that they have a Pride event. Um, right. We have Catholic events all the time. Cool. Um what I didn't like seeing was so many young kids there. Yeah. And that's my biggest problem with it. So I think that um, to kind of go off of that, the one com- like hot gotcha that I always see is like, pride is a sin and you're calling your event pride. And it's like, that's not the that's kind of pride not- that we're talking <laughs> about, guys. All right. Like, are you proud of your son when he wins a t-ball trophy? Like, that's the kind of pride that they're talking about. That being said, I think that gratuitous sexuality in general is unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I would much rather see the gay community um, basically, uh, you know, protest or parade the way that, you know, everyone else does, which is, you know, carry signs, wear t-shirts, that kind of thing. And come together for better legislation for the community because they get dumped on a lot for no good reason. Yeah. Yeah. so I, I think that they're not doing themselves any favors with the amount of gratuitous sexuality that is at Pride. I agree. Um, and in the same vein, if there was like a straight parade that was, you know, the same levels of gratuitous violence, I wouldn't want kids at that either. No. And I wouldn't want that representing the straight community if that's a thing that exists. I, I guess I'm at the point in our culture where I don't understand why our sexuality needs to be so out in the open. That could be a whole podcast. I know. And I, I, I guess it, I, I understand that it's just the culture we're in right now. We in. We, we are in. in. We up in this drive. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and I'm not saying let's go back to the days where um, we were prudish about it too. Right. But 
why does it have to be paraded about cities, gay or straight? Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are plenty of events. Um, the Women's March in D.C. Yeah. Um, I, I am really not a great woman advocate. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> um, it's not that I have a problem with women advocating for themselves. Please continue to do so, in fact. Yeah. I've never felt a need to advocate for myself because of my gender. Mm-hmm. I have felt a need of a need to advocate for myself or my friends because of our age mm-hmm. or because of our situations, but mm-hmm. never because of my gender. Um, and that's fine. I am, understand that plenty of women ha- have a need to do so. Right. And I understand in the corporate world, it's a very different world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there are things that happen in the Women's March that mm-hmm. I had a friend that was at and she was like, this is kind of ridiculous that these things are happening. Um, there was some, in, not the whole march, but there were some women who were just out and about with their sexuality in terms of like naked and stuff. Mm-hmm. Why? We have clothes. God gave us clothes. Literally, third chapter of the Bible. He gave us clothes. I think that the common argument is like that um, the chest isn't a sexual organ. It is. No, it's mm-hmm. literally a secondary sex characteristic. So I don't know. But that is like a common argument of, you know, well, why can men be shirtless? And it's like because men don't have secondary sex characteristics right. on their chest. Like like breasts. Yeah. They that, don't have breasts. That's the entire thing. Yeah. Um, and women do, and that's okay. Yeah. Now, on the other it's hand, great. you want to breastfeed your baby out in public? I got no problem with that. No. That's yeah. very no. different. You are feeding a child. I don't understand why people are like, oh my gosh, she's showing her boob in public. No, because you can go to Canada and women don't have to wear shirts anymore in some places in Canada. And how many women are actually taking the law no on that? Because at the end of the day, it's silly. Who I wants think to everyone go recognizes that. Does that happen in Denver, too? I'm uh, sure. There's probably. a couple of uh, cities I don't know if it's that true, have legalized. It's just something and come on, women, aren't you just cold? Right? It's Canada. <laughs> yeah. Even in Denver. It's cold in Denver, too. Hey. So, we talked about homosexuality and we talked about pride. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the idea of gender identity or gender fluidity, transgenderism. Things of that nature. Sure. Do you have a opinion on it? I have loads of opinions. Or a theological opinion on it? I have or a theological a opinion. I have both opinions okay. on it. Do you want to know them? Yes. Oh, okay. That's what I'm curious about. Um, <clears throat> I just want to reiterate that I will try to be as charitable as I can with all my thoughts and opinions. Right. But I think there's a danger in some of these new concepts of gender identity, gender fluidity, and transgenderism. Um... The suicide rates in some of these communities are extremely high. And that concerns me because that shows that there's something lacking within the people who are especially transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple people who either were transitioning or have transitioned um, from uh, female to male and male to female. Um they were lacking joy in their life. They were lacking a sense of identity. They were lacking a sense of who they were. And they felt like, from what they told me, that they were always meant to be another type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they weren't born a female, that they were really born in a female body, but with a male identity. And I think it's because I'm not in their situation that I can't understand what they're going through. Right. Um, I have a hard time even being empathetic with those people because I there, there's no basis in my mind for understanding that. Um, I, I can imagine how difficult it would be to lack an identity mm-hmm. and to lack and no knowledge of who you are. But the statistics also show how high those suicide and depression and anxiety rates are in those who have transitioned. And that concerns me. So 
on a personal opinion wise, I think there's something that we're missing in the psychological and medical communities that aren't helping these people mm-hmm. by letting them, by allowing them to transition, especially at such young ages. Um, I think there should be some better standard than there currently is right. in order to identify these things. Um, I believe gender dysphoria is a thing. The mm-hmm. concept of your brain is tricking you into believing that you are really something that you're not. Um, on a theological standpoint, I can't believe that... Um, Yes, we live in a broken and fallen world, Mm -hmm. but God knows what he's doing. And as much as he's not um, stepping into every single situation and breaking our free will, I can't imagine he's intentionally creating people with these gender identity problems. Does that make sense? Yes. And I'll give feedback once he does. So, and I I think that for the people who say, well, God made a mistake, Mm -hmm. I don't think God can make mistakes. Okay. Yeah. I can agree with and that. I also don't think that God is choosing to make you a male who is really a female or vice versa. I don't okay. think he would intend that because of how much disharmony in, that's bringing to your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there are faults of this world outside of our control due to the <clears throat> fall of, of man, right. due to sin entering the world. And I think this is a product of it, but I don't think it's a part of God's plan, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I can understand that. Nick, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so <clears throat> I think, and again, I'm with Tori. I, I don't, I really can't wrap my head around, um, you know, someone who has thought that they are, you know, a male or meant to be a female and vice versa. Um, but I do think that, uh, especially for those who are choosing to um, make that switch, that I don't think a lot of them really fully realize um, it's going to change literally every aspect of your life. And I think that, um, you know, how you were saying, the, the suicide rates are so high. I don't think people really realize what that entails. Um, that literally every everything in your life is changing. Um, and I, I mean, if that if I was in that position, that would I don't know how I would handle that. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's also something that maybe people aren't necessarily aware of when going through this. So, um, I've been interested in this for a while which is why I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, some things that have like informed my opinion on the topic was, uh, uh, I didn't really, I was like you, I didn't understand the position at all. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really empathetic to it. Um, I read a book. There's a, a great band called against me. Mm-hmm. It's like a punk band. And, uh, the lead singer transitioned male to female probably six years ago now. And the last time I played warp tour, like 2012, uh, right after they played warp tour, it was when um, they transitioned to female. And um, after her transition, she wrote a book called Tranny, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes through her experience, and it gives like a pretty good first-hand impression of the situation. And um, like I found myself understanding the position a little bit more after reading her book. And um, then there's a, a YouTube channel called ContraPoints mm-hmm. that has informed my opinion a lot. Um, another uh, male to female. Uh, transgender person. Yeah. MTF. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, yes, the suicide rates are definitely a scary thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think, like, they're in the 40s yeah. uh, for pre-op trans people, which is super scary. Like, yeah. 40, that's, like, higher than Jews in the Holocaust. Yeah. Which yeah. is 
also like a common talking point is like, well, obviously it's just this untreated mental illness. But then if you look at a lot of the medical research, um, I wouldn't say God made a mistake in the same way. I wouldn't say God made a mistake by, um, having people be gay. Right. Uh, I think it's a unique challenge Yeah. that I can't fully understand, obviously, because I'm not in their shoes. Um, but like, if you look at, uh, things like, uh, hormone balances in, uh, trans people, it typically reflects closer to the opposite gender that they are. Mm-hmm. Right. So a pre-op mm-hmm. trans person would have a hormone balance closer to what they would identify as. Right. It's not what they are. And similarly, uh, their brains tend to think in ways similar to how they identify, not mm-hmm. how they were assigned at birth. So, um, I think there is some merit to the idea that people are, I don't know if the verbiage is correct. Like I was born in the wrong body. I don't think that the verbiage of God made a mistake on me right. is correct. Um, but I do think that there is, uh, an amount of credence to the idea that people are born in the wrong body, so to speak, or that, um, you know, maybe they are born intersex or there's a certain mutation there. Right. Um, and so with that, um, there is this dysmorphia between what their brain is seeing and what their body is. And I can I can definitely appreciate the scienti- uh, scientific evidence yes, behind Brad? it. So I think that a lot of the hysteria, Brad asked about the hysteria of like, uh, we're seeing an increase in people identifying as trans, especially in the younger demographics, the Zoomer generation. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what we're calling them? Zoomers? No. iGen. Gen, Gen, Z. Gen, Z. Gen Z. They were trying to call us the iGen. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Or the the me gen. Oh, that's weird. I, yeah. We're millennials. Well, that's where me came from. I like Zoomer. Okay. I've never heard that term <laughs> I think before. Zoomer is good because it's a little bit derogatory, like Boomer. Okay. And I like... Like mild derogatory words Perfect. like that. It's great because I can be like Zoomers. People who are not my generation are bad. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. <laughs> um, so I think that a lot of that is overblown. I can understand a certain amount of it. Um, I, I think that the issue really is that it's such a young field of study yes. in psychology mm-hmm. that uh, maybe people who would have just identified as gay or lesbian 30 years ago and never would have known that like transgenderism is a thing are now like finding comfort in that identity Mm -hmm. rather than just identifying as gay um so i think that that could stand to explain a certain amount of it that would also stand to explain why we're seeing uh, a decrease relative to normal of the amount of like butch lesbians and effeminate men Mm -hmm. because more of them are deciding that they're trans instead or are identifying as trans instead of just um being like a butch lesbian or a, a more effeminate man um so the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about when they're doing like the uh suicide rates thing is that like the suicide rates do drop a fair bit post-op um it's still not at all like right. good numbers i think it's still in the 20s yeah but um there is definitely, you know, something to be said that, like, whether or not it's a, you know, in alignment with Christian values, it is a treatment that works to some extent. Um, whether or not a better treatment exists or could come out in the future, I certainly don't doubt. Right. And I know that there are people who detransition or regret transitioning mm-hmm. 
down the line. Um, but I don't think that that's a reason to just discount it, which is what I see a lot of people doing is either like, oh, it's a phase or yeah. it's just like another thing. Or it's like this brand new phenomenon. Right. I think we're at a point in our society where we shouldn't be discounting anything. Mm-hmm. I think we're learning a lot about what's happening to people, um, how they're choosing to identify differently, um, how they see themselves, how they're interacting with other people. Um, and I don't think we can discount any of those opinions because they're valid perceptions yeah. that people have. Uh, and I think <laughs> the moment we start discounting people like that is when we start regressing back to the early 1900s where we mm-hmm. counted some people as less than human right simply because of their race mm-hmm. and i think that's a danger we're, we're getting close to by treating people differently based on their sexual identity right or their gender identity mm-hmm. as much as i don't understand it the second we start not appreciating people's personal opinions right um again you don't have to accept their opinions mm-hmm. You don't even really have to tolerate or like their opinions. Right. You just have to accept that they are a human being. Mm-hmm. And I think the le- the further away we-, away we get from that, the more danger we are in as mm-hmm. a society. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think it's interesting. There's not really a lot of theological discussion about trans issues. I think it's because so. I was going to say. I think there. it's very new. Too. Um, it, it is like far out there, but like. We've addressed homosexuality like a while ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people have been transitioning for probably a good 30 years now. But homosexuality has been an issue for centuries. Oh, yeah. But in the same vein, like we've seen people identify as either gender fluid or non-binary or uh, a man and woman's body forever, too. Like Native Americans had a word for it, which has now been translated to spirit. Mm -hmm. But like they've had this be a thing for a long time. And we see um, there's like certain manifestations of intersex uh, mutations in, I can't remember the tribe, but it's one specific African tribe. Okay. Where um, people are born and identified as women at birth and then like grow male primary sex characteristics in their teens, Mm -hmm. which is like, that's something we see anywhere else. But I think that like there are places where they've identified this as a thing a long time ago. And I think that it's just kind of hitting mainstream. And as things get more exposure, uh, they become more prominent. You know, I mean, we see the rates of people coming out as homosexual go up every year. Right. And I imagine we'll see a similar trend with um, people coming out as transgender as it gains more public acceptance. Right. You know, I think that like uh, Caitlyn Jenner's coming out was like a big egg cracking moment for a lot of people yeah i think so too i think that was a turning point in Mm -hmm. where we were in our publicized culture yeah definitely so yeah no i think it's interesting i think it's a field that needs a lot more research Mm -hmm. and i I don't think that anyone's doing anyone any favors by just discounting it full bore i think that we'd be a lot better off um doing the research and understanding it even if you have some political or social disagreement with it Mm -hmm. um than to just say no, it's a phase or no, you're not experiencing these things. Right. Um, Cause that's never what, like if you look at uh, scientific trends over the centuries, Catholic church and Christians have been on the forefront of a lot of scientific discoveries. And I don't see any reason to slow down now just because there might be a social backlash or right. uh, it might not align with our values. I don't think that's any reason to not look into it and to not treat it as something that is important. 
And the only thought process I have for why the Catholic Church isn't speaking out on this more Mm -hmm. is simply because everything that the Catholic Church stands for is not in line with the idea of transgenderism. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that would say enough. But we're at a point where people need to hear from the church and they yeah. need to hear from their leadership. There was a um, letter written to young people um, from the church, in, the Catholic Church in Canada five, ten years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, beautiful letter written to those uh, to young people. Uh, the Catholic Church refers to it as same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they can't just use the regular I words. Can't. It's such a clinical phrase. It is. It's worse than just saying homosexual. It's like the most clinical, yeah. almost pedantic. I would agree. But besides that, mm-hmm. uh, the letter was like to to young people who um, identify with or deal with same sex attraction. I don't remember that was somewhat uh-huh. the title. Yeah, um, it was a beautiful letter to young people, basically saying that the church is in solidarity with you. Yeah, like we understand that this is a cross that you have to bear. We want to know how to help you. Mm-hmm. These are the ways we think we can help, but we need to hear from you to see what we can do. Like, this is the the stance of the church, and it can't change, right. but we value you as a human person. We value your human dignity. We value your purpose here. We want to serve you in a way that we can't if we don't hear from you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just a beautiful letter put yeah, by the no, Canadian bishops that I wish that our bishops in the United States would speak to this community about as well. I think that's something that just needs to be pounded home over and over again we need the bishop saying it we need the pope saying it we need it's the same thing in my opinion as like the teaching on uh the bread and wine becoming the body and blood really right i think that the issue is that it is such an undertaught teaching oh okay there right? we go where we saw what only 30 percent of people actually believe yeah. that the eucharist became the body and blood of yeah, christ mind-blowing love that's wild and in the same vein it seems that people are just undereducated about the catechism in general Mm -hmm. and i think that uh this kind of view on homosexuality is another manifestation of that Mm -hmm. where people are just they don't know and so they're they're opting on the side of hate rather than love which is its own set of problems yeah but i think at least having people understand the catechism properly would be a good first step now whether that's the pastor uh homilizing with like a couple of catechism passages in mind so he's teaching while he's preaching mm-hmm. or whether that is like, you know, putting together some sort of uh, adult catechism that's not RCIA. RCIA. Right. Yes. Yes. Man. Correct. <laughs> it's late. Um, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but like something for developed Catholics who have, you know, not learned anything in 20 years. Right. People who just come to church on Sunday. And I think that's where we're seeing a lot of problems is we have a whole generation. I've said this before. I'm going to stick to it. We have a whole generation of uncatechized adults who are raising children who are becoming uncatechized because it has to start in the home. Right. And I think if you don't start in the home, you're going to have this generation of people who just don't care. And I think that's the biggest problem our society is facing is we have a generation of people who don't care about anything. Anything. And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, on one hand, it's great not to care what other people think of you. That's lovely. Great Mm -hmm. sentiment. Like, be your own person. That's great. Right. Um... You should care about other people, though. Yeah. Maybe not what they think of you, but, like, about how they're doing as a human being mm-hmm. and care about the environment and care about social issues and economic issues and political issues and religious issues. Mm-hmm. And I think the church right now is... I think we're... Um, in Archbishop's uh, Unleash the Gospel letter, he puts it in a beautiful way, saying that for so long the church has been a church of maintenance right. instead of mission. Mm-hmm. And we need to move into that mission-oriented church instead of the maintenance-oriented church. And I think... 
from the Vatican down, we are still in this maintenance mode, especially after all the scandals that have come out. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we're focused on. I think that there was like a uh, business as usual mindset for Mm -hmm. like a couple hundred years. Sure. Where the church was just like, we're always getting new members and families keep getting bigger. So it's no big deal. And then all of a sudden, just everybody stopped. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but like a non-insignificant percentage of people stopped in a matter of one generation. Yeah. You know, um, and I think it needs to be addressed. I think that things like a Vatican Council need to not just be like a 50 year thing. I think the idea of calling together all of church leadership and discussing the topics of our time and commenting on it needs to be a very regular thing. Well, when did Vatican One take place? Matt is going to search for it right now, and he's not going to make any noise that gets caught on the background. Nick, do you have anything to say? Not right now. 1869 to 1870. Okay, so there was an almost 100-year period between Vatican I and Vatican II. Right. And Vatican I was in, like, 1800-year period, yeah. essentially. <laughs> Give or take 30, 60 years. <clears throat> um, I, I agree with you. I think that we do need to, the church as a whole needs to have more foundation mm-hmm. for what they're teaching. But I think the church teaches everything that everything has already been revealed to us. Right. So it's not like we have new revelation to work off of. No. Um, but I, I think coming together, maybe not even in a Vatican council, but just having more. Yeah. Uh, no, Vatican council is just stuff. an example. Right. Yeah. But having more synods on these specific issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Amazonian synods kind of like a big, like hoopla right now. Right. There are people with very strong opinions on it. I don't know much about it. We can talk about it another time. Um, but the Synod on Young People, Families, and Vocations was a beautiful synod right. that everyone just bashed because they wanted the Pope to deal with the sex scandals, which right. I can appreciate people. But, but we, we can't just, like, you we can't, can't handle stop everything. One, when you have a, a billion-person group, you can't just focus on one thing at a time. You right. need to focus on everything all the time. It's like being president. Oh, my gosh. My dogs. <laughs> Zane! Is AJ here? I don't think so. Go lay down. My phone's in the kitchen. So Sorry for your future ears. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Yeah, I'm going to try to cut that out. <laughs> you're going to be like, <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, Vatican Council is like an example. You can see where it got spiked yeah. really loud. Uh, um, <laughs> but I think that there is definitely, I think that there is definitely a, a place that needs to exist for lay people and women in church power positions and men in church power positions to come together and have these conversations. Invite theologians, invite random strangers, invite people from outside Catholicism and talk about these things and find solutions and publish them. It should be like Nintendo Direct. Once a quarter, you put out a bunch of stuff. And I'm not saying mess with the catechism or uh, mess with church teaching, but specify it. Zoom in on these microcosm issues mm-hmm. and come up with solutions. Ooh, that's not good. It's going to be loud. I just want to <laughs> say that the Synod on Young People, Families, and Vocations did bring in people from outside the Catholic Church. Yeah. And, and that's beautiful. good. That's something that should be happening all the time. Have you because read Christus Vivit? I have not read it all. You should. I have read, like, the excerpts. Like the, the things text that people like posted clips. on Twitter and stuff. No, not the stuff that people were mad about. Okay. I could give two craps about what Christian Twitter is angry okay. about. Um, because Catholic they're Twitter. always angry. Catholic Twitter. I could give two craps about what Catholic Twitter is angry about. They are always angry. Yeah, exactly. Sorry to our, all of our Catholic Twitter folks, but y'all <sighs> they understand. Know. 
they know it's, it's just like, an angry place just like catholic reddit instagram is a much better place of love and kindness and compassion and detox tea yeah and detox tea we'll talk about that on a future episode <laughs> um yeah no we'll talk about it tori don't okay. worry detox tea is a scam yes oh like being, literal detox tea. yeah i thought it was like a euphemism what it is is it's a, a mix that gives you diarrhea yep and so you can say you lost 20 pounds in a week this is either going to become the start of our episode or the end of our episode. <laughs> it's going to have nothing to do with the episode, so it could be good Most pulling. of our starts and ends don't. No, cold opens. Yeah, and cold closes. I don't know if that's a thing, but we have them. I imagine it's a thing. Okay. Or usually it's like an end credit scene, like just a scene that's not necessarily plot oriented, but it just kind of plays during the credits. Uh-huh. They did a lot with like Community and New Girl did it. Who else did end credit scenes? I don't watch those shows very much. Community's great. I don't love sitcoms. Community's... Community's good. Yeah, they are sitcoms, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. New Girl is like a seven-season rom-com. Anyway. But yeah, uh, I think we need to just get together as a church and address these things. They're uncomfortable topics for a lot of people, and uh, that's why we need to talk about them. So I, I definitely don't keep up with this stuff as much as you guys do in terms of what the church is, I mean, what they're actively doing and what's, you know, the different mm-hmm. events. But it seems like the Pope's doing a pretty good job of addressing... Obviously not all these issues, right? But it seems like he's at least making a significant effort to, um, mm-hmm. at the very least, brief people of what the church's stance is, and I, I I think that's at least a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think if you could get a random person in front of the Pope to ask him about trans people, the Pope would have an opinion, yeah. say it, and then the Catholic Church would publish a uh, retraction two days later. That's my thing. Like I love Pope Francis; he's mm-hmm. a super cool dude, but like. Him and the church need to get together and decide <laughs> what's real. Because I can't keep doing this with do dogs go to heaven. I can't keep hearing Pope Francis say dogs go to heaven. I'm okay with that. And then two days later have the church say, nah, fam. Dogs don't go to heaven. Dogs don't have souls. They are probably not going to heaven. But they will probably be a part of the new earth. Here's the thing. If heaven is like a manifestation of all joy... Right. But what evidence do you have that that's what heaven is? I mean, we, I don't have any evidence of what heaven is. Okay. But, you know, there's, you know, a certain amount of information out there from people who have died and went to heaven, allegedly. Sure. And there's a certain amount of information in the Bible that kind of, you know, paints with a broad brush what heaven could be like. Sure. I would like to imagine that heaven is joy. I'm sure it's full of joy. Right. And I can't imagine a joyous place that has no dogs. Right. Well, when God is the, the, <laughs> the like the center of all joy, right? You don't need dogs. No, I don't need dogs, but I think God needs a dog. I don't I think don't God. Dog. <laughs> AJ's here. AJ is here now. We have so many it's guests a very on this episode, full studio. Guys. Yeah. So, um, to wrap it up, yeah. we we will come back to the heaven, hell, death, purgatory, and dogs. Yes, that's a good title, Um, too. Okay, we'll do that next. Um, And in the meantime, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Is it iTunes Podcasts? It's Apple Apple Podcasts. Podcasts? They got to figure out their nomenclature. Um, They've had it for years. No, but here's the thing, right? We had the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad, and the iMac. And then we got the Apple Watch and the AirPod. They're just messing with it. <laughs> so let me just say, one of these days, 
maybe come episode 10, we will have a consistent ending pitch that Matt and I will do. Why would you want that? That's so boring. That's like doing a consistent ad read. It makes my editing so much easier. Yeah, but death is preferable (laughs) to like using the same ad read at the end of every episode. And on that note, we will see you all next time on Salt the Earth Podcast. Death is preferable. (laughs) Turn it off!